I'm Diane Lee, and this is Never Forget What They Did. On March 12, 2020, the WHO declared COVID-19 a global pandemic. In July 2020, the Australian government actively prevented its citizens and permanent residents returning home from overseas or interstate. When we got back, they locked us up and made us pay. These are our stories because we must never forget what they did. Andrea, a Queenslander, and her husband had taken their two youngest sons to Germany, the country where she was born, in early 2019, when the pandemic was declared in March 2020. While she stayed with her sons in Europe, her husband returned to Queensland to be near their oldest son, who was in university, and also to look after his business interests, but was back and forward between Australia and Europe. Deciding it was better to stay put in Germany, it was in March 2021 that Andrea had no choice but to come back to Australia with her middle son. Her husband had passed away suddenly, five weeks after volunteering to complete hotel quarantine with her younger son, who had wanted to come home to Australia in January. She didn't get back to Queensland until June 2021. This is Andrea's story. We have three boys. My husband was living and working in Cairns. Uh, my oldest son was 20, 19, 20 at the time. He was living in, in Brisbane because he went to uni there and working there and he had his social circle there. And I took my youngest to end of 2018, early 2019 over to Germany, which is my home country, for various reasons. One was they were really very high performing in in tennis so I thought I take you overseas to see something else not playing the same people all over then the second one of the second reasons was that the Germans were a little bit funny back then with dual citizenship so you had to prove kind of that you still had a connection to the other home country that they would allow you beyond the age of 18 to have dual citizenship. I thought, okay, we can do that. And then the other thing was we have family relatives. My husband had dual citizenship because he was English, but we have the in-laws are in England, my friend's family in Germany. And I thought it doesn't do a harm with the language, seeing another culture and in really immersing in another school system. So that was basically the reasons why my husband and I said it's now or never. Take them overseas for as long as they want, play international tennis, schooling, culture, everything. So we've been there early. The boys arrived with my husband who dropped them off early 2019. And um, they went to an international school there. We lived in near Frankfurt. Darmstadt and um, it was all good for a year it was beautiful did a lot of international travels for tennis and and then um, I remember we were actually in France we were in Dijon when um, it started to come up all this information about COVID in China and they brought these German citizens home who were working in in the industry somewhere in China and they rushed them out. And 
But to be perfectly honest, um, nobody really took it that seriously yet back then. I made a move back home. I mean, Dijon is about five, nah, three and a half hours, four hours from the German border. And I said, boys, I'm not sure what's happening. Let's go home. And then I remember it was 15th of March. That was my middle son's birthday. That was the last day we could go to a restaurant. We could dine out. We could go out the very next day. Retail restaurants live shut down in Germany. It wasn't a, a lockdown yet. It wasn't a complete lockdown yet. But retail, everything, shops, which were not supermarkets, pharmacies, all shut down. At that time, were you thinking, oh, maybe this is more serious than I first thought? No, no, Diane. It's funny that everyone was looking at it and thinking, seriously? But I had booked a flight home because we wanted to go come back on a holiday because summer in Europe is when it's winter here, as you know. And um, so we thought, yeah, July, mid-August, we're going home for an, a long holiday going back to Australia and possibly coming back to Australia. So we had we had a flight home here booked for, I think it was 1st of July, because I wanted everything is the other way around. School year finishes end of June there. So I thought, let them finish their school year. We go for a holiday and we take it from there. If we want to go back, possibly yes. But with COVID looming, uh, maybe not. But we had this flight booked. So flight was obviously cancelled because Australia got its flight caps on. Once former Prime Minister Scott Morrison doubled down on the WHO's pandemic declaration in March 2020, Andrea's husband kept her up to date with what was happening back in Australia. more my husband kept me updated than I myself. We were on the phone and, and text and email all the time because I said, what is happening over there? Germany went into the first lockdown early April. So that was the complete lockdown. So at the time, I had the feeling that life was a little bit more free still in Australia. So I said, look, if they don't cancel the flight off, we, if we can get out of here, we will. But it didn't happen. And then he kept me informed. And then the flight caps came in and this hotel quarantine came in. And I said to him, mate, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm not getting locked up for two weeks in one room I, uh, with two boys. I, I can't do this. So I said, you know what, we stay put and we were nicely set up over there. It was not like we were just uh, in an Airbnb or something. We had a rental there. So I said, look, we can as well. And nobody would have thought that it would take that long. So I said, you know what, keep me informed what's going on. And But with this strict quarantine stuff and what they're coming up in flight caps, where you get knocked off a flight you book a flight the day before you get knocked off I'm not doing this 
I said, I'm not doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm staying put here. We, we're happy enough. It's boring here. The boys can't go to school. They can't play sport. They can't go anything. They, the only thing is they can go mountain biking with each other, but that's it. But for the time being, we stay where we are. Do you remember when those flight caps were announced and how you felt about it? It was early July, 1st of July or something. It's exactly when we were supposed to fly out. I was in touch with my husband and and a lot of friends here. And I mean, you know Australia. I mean, who's Australian? I know a lot of friends are from New Zealand, from England, from anywhere in the world, South Africa, whatever. And they all said this attitude the Australians adopt to say, hey, you should never have left. Um, It's your fault. It's your fault that you can't get back. We thought, hang on a minute, actually, is it really that you never can leave a country and then you're locked out? Fortress Australia, as the country was called during the pandemic, had capitalised on its island status and endeavoured to keep the virus out via its zero COVID policy. The media and politicians stoked the public's fear, which sought to justify why the government abandoned its citizens. Only thing was, cargo planes were still flying freight. Ships were still transporting goods. Yeah, I understand to a certain extent that Australians being a big island, but an island, that tried the hardest to keep everything out, which we in Middle Europe, we couldn't do. I mean, you can't shut borders down. They're always back alleys and, and, and small roads and whatever leading into, leading into every country. We couldn't do it. It was not possible. But if it was the right thing with hindsight, I would say no. I mean, I read an article maybe seven months ago, eight months ago, that um, with the latest strain of COVID, Australia was number three in the world with the highest numbers. So it didn't work anyway. Nothing worked. Like it was a big blunder, a big joke on the expenses of, of, of Australian citizens and permanent residents at the end of the day. So from when you booked your flight to come home, which was at the beginning of July, to when you actually got home, how many times was your flight cancelled and how expensive was it? I didn't rebook because we said we stay over there. We got a, a travel credit from the airline. And I said, when, whenever the whole situation worldwide eases, then we go home. And that was in July 2020. In March 21, my husband passed away very unexpectedly. Now, that was, that was the reason why we came back. I would have happily stayed there. Yeah, now that's the story, actually, where the, where the shit hits the fan. My youngest son, he was very homesick and still life in Australia was a little bit more free. And we really went from post to pole and turned the life upside down to get him on a flight. He said he wants to be with dad. He wants to be in Australia. He wants to be with his friends. He can't do anything in Germany. And I said, mate, it's not really the best time, but okay. So finally, we got him on a flight in around 20th of January 21 and 
my husband volunteered to go into quarantine with him, hotel quarantine. And the thing is, Diane, and I say it now, I'm not sure if this quarantine with no exercise and nothing contributed to his death. It was a blood clot. And, and the symptoms started at the very end of the hotel quarantine. Five weeks later, he was dead. No fresh air, terrible food, nowhere to exercise, no human contact, treated like criminals, sexual assaults, suicides, deaths. The failings of hotel quarantine were many, but the government persisted with the policy and they still want us to pay. So that's something I will keep in the back of my mind if they really hassle me. I say, I make you responsible. I make you responsible for the death of my husband. You give me three million and you can have the 3,000. How's that sound? Because, you know, you can't, you can't move that we get to this point how we dealt when we were locked up. But you're on 30 square meters. There is no exercise. There is no nothing. So if, you, if you're prone for blood clots, and that's what they said, be aware of it. And five Five weeks later, he was dead, Diane. That's, that's the point. Yeah, it is. It is horrible. And, and then because of this 15-year-old, just 15-year-old kid who witnessed actually the death of his father, I was, I was desperate. I had to come back. I had no choice. I had no choice. When I heard in Germany that he passed away, I called the Australian embassy in Frankfurt and said, guys, Look, that's a situation I need to go. And even they said, look, we probably can get you on a flight, but I will not make you exempt of this hotel quarantine. They will not, whatever. They said it to me. So I said, well, then there is no point. Uh, my youngest lived mis- with my oldest one, which was not the ideal solution because the oldest one was only 20. And I turned my nights into my days over there with the nine hours time difference. And I had to guide this 20-year-old to, to arrange the funeral, everything. Because I would have missed the funeral anyway. What they said, the only thing, you will be in the same time zone, but you will be locked up and you do the same as if you do it from here over there. So I said for my middle one, finish the school year, then we will dissolve this household here and and see from there. And um, yeah, so the funeral or the service was we watched on, on, on live stream. <laughs> We, we, we cried so much. I was so angry. I was sad. I was, it's just, I think, oh my God. And then I really come to you in terms of you can pay for that. You're just awful. The government was putting on repatriation flights from certain countries in liaison with embassies or consulates who were now staffed by locals because Australian staff had already returned to Australia. Unfortunately, these flights didn't necessarily repatriate the vulnerable, only the available. That is, those who could get on a flight at a moment's notice. These flights were not free. And I said, look, we just sent a a repatriation flight out this morning. Well, that's too late for me anyway. And plus, if I have to go into jail for two weeks anyway, it it doesn't help that much. I said, okay, 
I advised my son and friends in, in Cairns how to dissolve the household there, pack everything up, do whatever. And I said, I see when I get the next best flight out. And I scraped all the money together because, as I said, they, they would knock you off an economic flight last minute and I said I can't I can't I can't take that risk so we scrapped the money together for a business flight back how much did it cost you to get back to Australia in terms of your flights 10 grand for because it was for two of us uh, it was my middle son and me and it was a one-way flight it was six thousand euros so 10 grand in Aussie dollars How were you feeling emotionally about this? Because you know, obviously, you know, you, you would have felt completely disempowered by the fact that all these things were going on that you had no control over and that basically bureaucrats were making decisions about your life. Exactly. Exactly. It was it was I mean the whole world was. It was a feeling as you would know, like I can only describe it a bizarre. It was like you being in a bad sci-fi sitcom, you know, like, is this happening or am I in the wrong film or what's, what's there? Of course, I was angry and I was, but it was like, yeah, bureaucrats make the decision and make you actually financially contribute to everything. You can't get a normal flight. I mean, in, an, in normal times, you, you have some flight, I Either by Singapore or Dubai or whatever, you get a flight home on the very next day. And with these flight caps in, in place, and it was, the whole situation was, in one sentence, like someone pulled the rug from beneath my feet. I was in free fall. I was in free fall. That's a really good way to describe it. Because, yeah, you, you had no control over what was going on. So free fall is a really good way to describe it. And, and being responsible for three boys who were in probably in, in even a darker place than I. Because the children are very young, you know. One 20-year-old has to arrange the funeral of his father, for God's sake. The other one witnessed when he died. And, and the third one likes sitting there and saying, oh my God, what's happening? And then I came in with um, my middle son into, into Brisbane after 10 grand later. As you probably remember, I didn't even let people from New South Wales go into Queensland for hospitalization or for funerals. They would not, and they said very clearly to me, at the embassy in Frankfurt, they said they will not make you exempt of this hotel quarantine. Forget it. The whole thing, I mean, Germany was, in comparison to here, I would say, relaxed. There was not something that police would chase you up in the streets on horses and say, how many cases are you from your home or something? Yes, they... They said you shouldn't you shouldn't go further and, and our poor dog had to go ten rounds a day because that was the excuse to go out really. But it wasn't as bureaucratically police state reinforced over there, you know. Like I had uh, one thing was a good friend of mine is a dentist and she's in Munich and I was in Frankfurt, was which is about a three and a half hour drive. And I went during the lockdown. I mean, I had her, the, the um, appointment sheet 
on my phone if police stopped me and say I have a reason to be there. No one ever stopped me. No one ever. Not not on the road, not in Munich. No one ever. So it was much more relaxed than apparently at the very end of the day it was here. I think um, from memory, like Germany has a history with police states and a, a little bit more um, a critical thinking in terms of Australians because we've never had to deal with this. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly right. I mean, they swing or swing in the other direction very hard. I mean, if if you're happy with, with what's going on in Germany is another story. But it would not have been possible in Germany, not at all, what they did here. They, there would have been riots, demonstrations. They would have just not gone into hotel quarantine. End of story. They wouldn't have agreed. And here it was like, Really, when we arrived, you know, you were herded into this group thing, immigration, and had to fill out this and that form online, obviously, because you, you were not supposed to touch a pen. We were, my son and I said, you're not treated like a human being, but rather a, a biological hazard. That's how they treated us, like a biohazard. The arbitrary cut-off date and the unfairness of the hotel quarantine fee is something that the authorities haven't been able to justify. Neither is the irrational approach to putting everyone coming home from overseas straight into hotel quarantine when other, more proportionate and reasonable options were available. And I mean, they made this this really artificial cutoff, which we overstepped by 13 days. I think it was 17th of June. If you hadn't booked a flight there, then you had to pay. I mean, really? Can you tell us that before or whatever? And I wasn't responsible for the flight caps. I wasn't responsible that they cancelled the flight. So don't give me this. And And as I say, I mean, how dare you? You lock people up against their will and then you charge them for it. The entire idea, just the idea of it is bizarre. How was the hotel quarantine experience? What was that like for you? When my husband volunteered with my youngest son, that was bad enough, but they at least had, I think they had two bedrooms connected, whereas me and Jonathan, we were on 30, 35 square meters, including the bathroom. So I was really, the first two, three days, I'd say, were okay in terms that you're so jet-lagged that you sleep most of the time anyway. But then just imagine being locked up, with, which is completely normal with a, what was he then, 17, 16, 17? He's obviously, which I said, let your, make your brother bring in a, a gaming monitor and you have your Xbox. Go on gaming. I mean, what else can they do, for God's sake? So this kid yelling on, on his Xbox, at least being in contact online with his friends, and I'm trying to sleep read, watching TV or having my laptop open and trying to find a rental or whatever I needed to do. And the other thing, I, it, I should have videoed it. <laughs> it was so bizarre that uh, because of blood clotting, if you only sit around all day, I made really half an hour strict every day. I ran from the door to the window and back and forth and back and forth for half an hour just to get moving. Like a K-Tiger with stereotype behavior. And, and the other thing was, in this hotel room, we didn't have a kettle and we didn't have a coffee maker, coffee machine in the first place. 
So my oldest son brought that in. I said, I need it anyway because I don't have anything. But then reception rang me and said, yeah, that's some um, electrical appliances we don't allow in the room. I said, are you are you kidding me? I said, then give me a kettle and a coffee machine right now. Send it up now. And oh, sorry, you don't have any. Now I said, I don't have any. Otherwise, he wouldn't have brought it, would he? Ten minutes later, I had it. But it was, you know, the food out of plastic containers, as you would know. And and just throwing the bed linen out of, of in front of the door. Really, do I have to make my own bed and change bed linen for three and a half grand? Really? Really? They knocked on the door when food was delivered, like chucked in front of your door. And we had to wait 30 seconds or a minute because we were a biological hazard, as you know. So we had to wait, I think, half a minute to open the door and, and get the food in or whatever, bed linen or whatever it was. So I had very, very little interaction with staff. The only thing was really the second time they came around for PCR testing with this test kit and my mucous membranes in my nose was so dry by then due to the aircon and the lack of fresh air that I, I was actually, when I blew my nose, I was bleeding. It is, I'm not exaggerating. I was bleeding. And I said to them, be damn careful. I'm losing my cool. If, if you poke up my nose and it hurts even more. They were gentle enough. And then Queensland Health called once or twice. Just, you know, these courtesy calls where they don't even really care how you feel. Uh, how are you going? I said, what do you think how I feel after a week on 30 square meters with a 16-year-old? Great. Bloody great. With no air, no, no window being open. How do you think I feel? I'm not suicidal yet, I said, if you want to hear that. Interaction with staff was, was very, very limited. I tried to be, be very professional, neutral, but when I, I realized that I had not, not even a kettle or a coffee maker, I said, am I drinking water for the next two weeks or what? Oh, now we're so sorry. And I said, send it up. But yeah, there were, it wasn't much interaction, but it was even when we were let out at the end. My God, this drama, one room after the other and you're not going out yet. And I thought, oh my God, are you serious? Are you actually serious? My middle son and I really get on very well, so... I can have conversations with him. So he turned his Xbox off and I turned the TV or whatever I did off. And we tried to have a meal together, which was difficult enough to, to talk and, and how you're feeling and how's it going and what's going on. And, but I was a lot on the phone, obviously, with, with girlfriends and, and, and that I, how you, they, they ring and say, how are you going in there? So, <laughs> what do you think? And I mean, it went by, but ever since, I, I avoid hotel rooms. I haven't been in a hotel ever since. What's been the effect on you from experiencing all this? So have you, have you been back traveling at all? Only locally. I will travel 
end of the year, I go back to Europe because my middle son finishes finally school because he does the international baccalaureate. So he will study somewhere overseas, probably. So we go travel there and I see how I go. But um, I have sometimes still in, in a dark bedroom, I have the panic attacks where I have to get out. And sometimes in the middle of the night, I'm in the backyard and say, fresh air, you can go out, you can go out, you know, this this crazy things it left a mental footprint i would say yes definitely but it's general more how can i say diane it's generally more about the whole country because i don't know what it is in in south australia or in new south wales but queensland to be honest becomes a police state it's not funny anymore also the fines for traffic the traffic fines, if you do something, they, they, it's, it's becoming like Germany in 1936. You don't want to be here anymore. That's for me. And even the kids feel it. I mean, say in Germany, it's if you don't wear a seatbelt and get caught by the police, you pay 30 euro, which is 50 bucks. Don't even get demerit points. Here in Queensland, I know in other states it's different. You pay over a thousand dollars and get four demerit points. No joke. Overall, what I hear from other people is, well, Queensland is one of the worst at this stage. Like the tens of thousands of us who firmly believe the fee to not only be unfair, but also unlawful, we refuse to roll over. Those who applied for and received fee waivers took advantage of a legal mechanism. But most of us didn't qualify, including Andrea, who is now on a widow's pension. Funny thing is, and I can't find out, they waived the one of my past husband and my son. Maybe they found out that he's passed away or whatever. I mean, I would jump in the square if I was left with seven grand. Can you imagine? So now they wait that for whatever reason. But look, I had one, two, three, four reasons. It was one, we had booked the flight return. It was cancelled. I mean, not my fault. Sorry. And if you want to go along with this artificial cutoff, we overstepped 13 days. Be real. Second thing is that husband, I didn't come back as a tourist. I wouldn't have come back at all. Then I had to deal, I had vulnerability. I mean, my youngest one, due to that he was witnessing his father dying, he's, he's got PTSD. He's, he's treated. Yes, he's treated by a psychologist. No, they wouldn't get that. They wouldn't accept that either. And not financial hardship. I mean, I'm on, on a widow's pension now. I'm nearly 60 years old. And, and that's the other thing with this beautiful country here. I'm a veterinarian. They never let me work in this country because the German degrees are not acknowledged here. So I was always somehow sidelining, tape teaching, whatever. So do you think anyone would employ me at 59 with a, with a degree which isn't even acknowledged in this country? What I do now is dog walking and pet sitting to just up it a little bit that I can get these kids through school and, and whatever. No, but I don't even accept that, believe it or not. No financial hardship. No, I'm, I'm, I'm well off. We, we're getting back to 
kind of a normality, I would say, after it's almost two years that my husband passed in March. Being German, I would say we are the masters of bureaucracy. We invented it. The Australians outdo us by now, 100%. It's easier, at least in a smaller town in Germany, to deal with the bureaucrats than here. There was a lot in the media about what I call returning travellers, quote unquote, and also the Australian public generally, because they were not kind or compassionate and the media did not push back on what the government was doing. So what were your thoughts about that? Horrible. And I'm saying this now and, and I love my second home country, Australia, and I like it here, but I'm saying this now unfiltered. That's typical Australian unsophisticated. You should never have gone. I don't have numbers or percentages, but how many of us do have overseas roots, family? Come on, be realistic. All my friends, as I said, there are few, very few, purebred Australians for generations back. But most of them are, have, have roots in, in New Zealand, in England, in Germany, in Japan, wherever. Be realistic here. And, and that's, I think that's the dilemma or a little bit the ambivalence in, in this country here as much as I love it. They are sort of racist, but we are melting pot of, 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 of cultures. So, and I mean, you, me, whoever, all these people I know who are not Australian born, we brought knowledge into here. We brought a lot of, we paid a lot, a lot of tax money. So come on, guys, be a little bit more open-minded and a little bit more free. But I don't know, as I say, Australia is going towards, into a direction in terms of democracy, which I don't necessarily like. And to be perfectly honest with you, I'm toying with the thought to go back to Europe permanently. And I'm not saying that necessarily I would stay in Germany. I mean, with a European passport, about 24 countries I can live in. And even the boys who've been over there for a few years, they say, mm. They Australian born and bred. They love it here. And but even they say hmm, in the long run, really not sure. I wasn't surprised, but I was disappointed with the attitude of the Australians. Yeah, they shouldn't have gone in the first place. I mean, some people were just on holiday, some were working overseas, some were whatever. How can you say you shouldn't have left? And I mean, I know people who say, I never left it, the state of Queensland, and I think, oh my God, are you serious? And that's the problem here. As much as I love it, it's a great country, but they are too far away from everything, and they try to overcompensate. They think they have to outdo everyone. That's where we come back to this um, dealing with the pandemic. They thought they need to be better than everyone else, but they weren't. They weren't. They, it was a big blunder. It was a big stuff up. I mean, if you look into Sweden now, they were the most that even Europe looked at them and said, are you serious? They did nothing. Diane, they did nothing. They said, okay, we let it run its course. And they didn't fare worse than us or the rest of Europe or anyone 
one thing I found interesting that the whole world ran their economy into the wall. And who benefited? China. And that was the only thing when I, when I took my youngest son, when he was so desperate to come back to Australia in January 21. I mean, Frankfurt is one of the most important, biggest airports in Europe. It was ghost town. And he flew with Qatar. So there were maybe 30, 35 people lining up because of the flight caps, whatever. You know where the, the line was as long as ever, Eastern China. And I thought, what on earth are you doing here? Germany or the whole of Europe is not a tourist country at the moment. There was 100 people, Eastern China, going back to China and thought, what on earth are you doing here? I mean, I'm not a, a conspiracy theorist. Oh, God, no. But I think it is interesting who benefited from the whole debacle. What's the message that you would like to send to the Australian government and Australians generally about all this, about the pandemic, about the way they, well, their response to it, I won't call it manage it. You can't do what you did in the past because you're walking on a very fine line in terms of democracy. If you want to call yourself a democracy, you can't do that. You have to really look at the Europeans or the Americans, what they did. Yes, isolate. And also with the hotels, what happens, what happened here, you knew probably I send it in one of the hotels in Brisbane. They clearly said that with the ducted aircon was spreading the virus. So it didn't work. So, yeah, that's what I would say. What, watch where you're going with your democracy, guys. Me being German, I'm very, very um, sensitive in this regards. Aware. That's what would be my message to Australia. Be a little bit more sophisticated, explore the world, get out of here. There is much more. Look beyond the rim of the plate. And for the government, watch where you're going in terms of democracy, because it's not a good pause at the moment. The Never Forget What They Did podcast tells our stories because what was done to us should never be forgotten. Music by Les FM on Pixabay. Our stories are released every week on a Sunday. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on dianelee.com.au forward slash never forget.